0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by
0: Amir Turey
2: and Derek Wong.
1: So this week we are getting in the holiday spirit and talking about legendary action director John Woo's Silent Night, which stars Joel Kinnaman, Kid Cudi, Harold Torres, and Catalina Sandino Moreno. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the director. Are you guys a fan of John Woo?
0: Yeah, I like John Woo. I don't think I've seen all of his movies. He's got a pretty Mm. extensive resume, but you know, I've seen a few here and there, like enough to be like, yeah, I enjoy what I'm seeing. Let's see, I think we've already talked about Mission Impossible too, right? Mm-hmm. So at least there's definitely that. That's probably like one of his lesser ones. There's a bunch of other good ones, especially from the 90s. He really hasn't done very much in the last 20 years, as you were saying, even like outside of America. It's not that much since the year 2000 or so. His career really does seem like it was mostly focused the 80s and 90s. Although he started in the late 60s, but Mm. really the 80s and 90s are where I think his most famous action movies were.
1: Mission Impossible 2 is great. Speak for yourself, bro.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Derek? It's probably not as extensive as it should be. I mean, I think I've seen a couple of his Hong Kong movies. I've seen a couple of his american movies but when i was looking back at his filmography i'm like i don't really remember these movies very well like you know it's been a long time since i've seen like hard-boiled and a long time since i've seen like face off what's the one with sean claude van damme i remember watching that one hard a long target time. Hard, hard target, target.
0: Rocks. Oh, that's hard target yeah a great
2: fucking movie yeah it's been a long time since i've seen that i know i've seen his movies but i don't really remember them very well to be completely honest
1: Oh man, I thought you would have more extensive experience with John Woo being like a Hong Kong director. And you were waxing poetic about like God of
2: Gamblers, which is obviously not John Woo. It's also one of those, I don't know, Hong Kong action movies. I remember watching some of these when I was a kid when I was like way too young to watch them. But that's because, you know, they showed me a lot of Hong Kong movies when I was a kid. So like, I honestly can't tell you if I've seen any of his other Hong Kong movies. I mean, he's partially responsible for the rise of
1: The heroic bloodshed type movies, you know, the Hong Kong action movies. That's like high melodrama, double fisting guns, tragedy, bros being bros, those kinds of movies. (laughs) And they're all great. Some of them are just classics, you know, like Better Tomorrow, The Killer, Hard Boiled. Those are like the most well-known ones. And obviously his American movies, Hard Target. Broken Arrow, which I really like, too. Do you guys remember Broken Arrow with Christian Slater and John Travolta? It's been a while. <laughs> I just while. remember yes, it's about been a, while. a
0: nuke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. On yeah. a
2: train, right? Is there a train involved?
1: Yes. Face Off, obviously. Mission Impossible Wind Talkers, which I kind of have a soft spot for, too. Kind of like a misunderstood movie. But his last American movie was Paycheck, that Ben Affleck sci-fi movie. Do you guys remember that one? With Aaron Eckhart oh no i don't remember i don't think i've ever
2: seen this you don't remember
1: that at all wow uma thurman's in this yeah uma thurman's in it too yeah wiping memories corporate espionage it's a terrible movie it's not good by the way (laughs) i think it's probably his worst american movie
0: doesn't really seem up his alley that just does not seem like his forte
1: yeah no it barely has his fingerprints on it it's not a good movie (laughs) Silent Night, his long teased return to American action cinema, kind of getting savaged by critics, online circles. But when did you guys see this?
0: I just saw this a couple of days ago, so I went on Monday.
2: I also went
0: on a Monday. Good theater experience, Derek.
2: It was okay. I mean, there was
0: five people,
2: (laughs) not that many people in Uh, my theater. That's better
0: than mine. I had like one person. What about you, Jeff?
1: I saw this from the comfort of my home. (laughs) Because I was going to go the day that we were talking about it. But then, Derek, you're like, oh, it's on demand now. So I just rented it and I just watched it on my TV. No theater experience for me. But Monday? I think I saw it on Monday.
0: So we all saw it on Monday.
1: (laughs) Oh, I guess we all saw it on Monday.
0: I think as an action movie there are definitely parts that benefit from being seen on the big screen, but I think so. But yeah, it's also yeah. not like, I don't know, essential guitar or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. I feel like you probably got, you know, most of it even just Most you know, of the experience, you know. yeah, yeah. So what did you guys think? It kind of ripped. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's not a perfect movie and at some points it's not even a good movie, I don't think. But there are a lot of things I enjoyed about it, and we'll talk about the things I didn't. I don't know. There's something about it where I think he's just taking big swings here, John Woo. I don't think it all works, but I admire the hell out of it. And it's short. What, an hour 40? 45, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but it's sub two hours, which is good. Yeah, sub two hours. And a lot of the criticisms are talking about how the gimmick wears off its welcome, How it's reactionary exploitation dreck, and the CGI blood, the action's not as great as you would expect from John Woo. All things that I can't really argue against, but things that I can overlook because there are a lot of things that I really liked in this movie too. What about you
0: guys? I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I don't know if I'd say it rips, but I'd say that, you know, half a good movie and half a pretty meh movie It kind (laughs) of just depends on what's going on on screen at any given moment. Wait, half kind of meh or half bad? Uh, No, meh. I don't know if I'd say bad. I think it's half a good movie and half a pretty meh movie. That's solid. Yeah, I didn't walk out of this like, oh, this is like the worst we have ever seen or something like that. You know, I mean, I think I was on board with all the action and Mm -hmm. less on board with the rest of it. You know, but when we got the action, I was like, oh, this is good. I definitely remember being, like, pretty pumped once it started. And then my excitement mm-hmm. kind of fell off during the build-up. And then when we got to the uh, payoff, I was definitely with what the movie was putting down at that point. So mm. that was kind of my trajectory. What about you, Dirk? I think the best way I
2: could put this is maybe through an analogy, right? oh <laughs> <laughs> You guys ever been on, a, like, a long road trip or whatever with your parents or with, like, friends, right? Uh-huh. And inevitably, there's a point where... Everyone shuts up, right? Everyone gets quiet. You've talked about all you wanted to talk about and it gets to a point where it's just a very quiet car ride. It's just complete silence or maybe some music, just the sound of the car kind of going along. And then all of a sudden you're there. It's the point where your mom or your dad's like, hey, we're here now. And, you know, some road trips you're like, for however long we traveled to get where we were, but then sometimes... You know, your parents don't pick the best spots to go on vacation, right? And I felt that with this movie. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into before watching this movie. Like, I knew that it was going to have a rough road because of the conceit, the mechanic of this movie. And if people don't know, it's a completely dialogue-free movie. Part of the ride of this movie is, well, there's just moments where, like, no one's speaking and it's awkward doesn't quite make sense sometimes and then you have to wonder well is the destination worth the journey right that we went through for this movie and ultimately i do not think so (laughs) really interesting i agree with you guys i think there's good moments in this you know some of the action is pretty good but maybe this is where we kind of depart in opinion i thought the last action set piece was just kind of okay I think I've seen better action this year. We had John Wick this year, right? John Wick 4, and we had even like The Killer. I don't know. There's something about this that is very John Woo, ultra violent, well choreographed, but it just doesn't seem to be pushing anything for me. And and maybe it's not meant to, but ultimately, I just don't think it was worth the payoff of having to go through some of these logical Loopholes that we went through just keep the conceit of no dialogue in this movie. Did you guys want a quick synopsis before we jump into? I mean, it's a pretty quick, right?
1: Yeah. So Joel Kinneman plays this guy named Brian Godlock. What a kick ass name, by the way. Brian Godlock. And he and his wife live in Texas with their son, Taylor. On Christmas Eve, Brian's son is shot in a drive by shooting and killed. He gets shot in the throat, so that's like the origin of the no-dialogue conceit of this movie. And he goes on a journey of revenge to kill all the gang members responsible for his son's death. And that's basically all the movie is about. So you have Catalina Sandino Moreno as his beleaguered wife, and then you also have Kid Cudi as the police detective on his tail end uh, in the gang department of the police department, right? So he's investigating the gang shootings, and also, I guess, he's aware of Brian's quest for revenge. And, yeah, that's basically the gist of the movie. And, you know, this movie is definitely just kind of an experiment for John Woo. Derek, you said that the last action set piece... And some of the action in general in this movie is a little underwhelming, which I don't disagree with. But it's something that I think John Woo is trying to do, which is to strip his usual style of filmmaking pretty much down to the bone. There are faint hints of the stuff that we all like, you know, the dual-wielding guns, the slow motion, vehicular mayhem, all that stuff. But it's all brought really down to basics which is something that I admire that this movie is doing. Like, even removing the dialogue, right? Like, the whole thing is just to put everything into, like, the bare bones of the action experience. And I understand what he's trying to do, but I think the problem is that his usual stuff is more interesting. <laughs> That's part of the thing that I admire a lot about this movie. Even though, in the end, I don't think it works entirely.
0: I don't think it earns its gimmick, really. At all. But it didn't. Bother me. It was just like, all yeah. right, this is just something they're like doing. It's fine. It's a little goofy. Yeah, it didn't really earn the gimmick. It was more that the build up scenes didn't work so much. Like I think in a movie like this, where you're gonna place a lot of emphasis on the training montage and you know his growing pain and everything, it doesn't fully work. I get some of it. Like I thought the disintegration of his marriage was pretty good. Because I was looking at this movie going like, dude, when is she going to divorce this asshole? Because the worst. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, so when she did, I was like, oh, thank God. All right. The movie has like some like basis in reality, right? Because you just feel so bad for this poor woman who's just lost her little kid to the tragic gun violence. And then her husband is just the least helpful human being on the entire planet in that situation. Right? Mm. <laughs> and like you get that he's like crippled by the pain and like... You know, can't open up to her and literally physically can't talk, but he's just so emotionally unengaged and like neglectful and actively harmful that you're just like waiting for her to leave. And and she finally does, which I appreciate the movie at least giving us that. So actually, that all kind of works for me. His descent into alcoholism, his like ignoring her, you know, like all of that actually like kind of works. And like the silent gimmick works there too. Makes a lot of sense, right? He's not just physically silent; he's also ignoring her when she texts and like blah 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 all that. I agree with you. I think the dynamic
2: of that relationship works. This idea that she's trying to move on and he just can't. Right? He's just burdened by this grief, and you know, eventually results in the dissolution of their relationship. But. I don't agree that the gimmick works here. I think this is the problem I had the most with this gimmick, is that I understand he's silent. I don't understand why she's silent. Like, there is no reason for her to be silent. It tries to convince us that one mode of their dialogue is through text, but it doesn't mean that she has to necessarily text. She can still talk to him, and he can respond with text.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's a little pointless to interrogate the reality of the gimmick, is just the gimmick, you know? You kind of have to just go with it. And it didn't really bug me at all. So to draw a parallel, I think actually this gimmick here works better than the other dialog movie that we covered this year, which is uh, No One Will Save You with Cal Endeavor, the alien invasion movie, where I think it was more glaring in that one, where a lot of problems could have been solved with dialogue, and it's glaring that they didn't in that movie. But here, this is like straightforward revenge and they go through the motions of all these things without dialogue but you know he's going around killing all the gang members that were responsible for his son's death there's nothing that would enrich the logic of the movie from the dialogue i think so i actually bought this better than the other movie i don't know you just kind of have to accept it
2: no and i don't disagree with that idea that it doesn't necessarily have to add anything it just i think for me it just took me out of it right like it's just a logical leap that it was a little too hard for me to make. And I don't think it's a huge stretch
1: to go from something like hard-boiled or hard-target to something with no
2: dialogue. Because have you heard the dialogue in those movies, you know? Like, you're not there for the dialogue there either. Well, no. What I was going to say is that this movie, the quote-unquote dialogue-freeness of this movie, works a lot better once the wife is gone. Once it's just a it full turns into, like, him doing the montage and then him getting his revenge. Like, him not having someone to really have to play off of Mm. works to the advantage of the no dialogue, right? But it's when there's, like, these really intimate scenes where it's just all you want to do is have, like, the wife say something because you know she can and she doesn't. That was, like, very not logical i kind of appreciate them getting rid of the fluff
1: though because do you really need the wife to be like i moved on why can't you you know (laughs) so like that like you're just gonna go through those motions and the fact that we don't have to hear that it's fine by me yeah yeah there is a little bit of dialogue and it's like just so that it's not so straining the believability there's like Little whispers yeah, here like and real there. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I kind of yeah, like I did that.
0: appreciate that that she does like say like it's okay and stuff like that. Like there is little bits yeah, dialogue yeah, really there. softly. Mm-hmm. People do yeah, do yeah. little itty bitty bits. I kind of agree in that. I sort of like that the relationship was so twisted that she's like fallen into this pattern of texting him even though she can still talk. Mm-hmm. I liked that. That was like fucked up. Like I I kind of liked that. Yeah, it didn't super bother me because they went through with it, right? If she, like, somehow inexplicably, like, just, like, stayed with him or, like, Mm -hmm. supported his vengeance, I'd be like, oh, all right. Like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) But I think the fact that she left does fulfill the promise of how much of a distant asshole he was being with the silence. So I was kind of like, all right. The
1: movie's very melodramatic, but I don't know, maybe chalk it up to me being the dad of two boys. It kind of worked for me. All the cradling the dead son and, like, coming home to the Christmas presents that were never opened. Yeah. Kind of got me. I'm not going to lie. And I know one of the things that you didn't like, Amir, was the training montage. I thought the training montage ripped. Wait, Amir, did
0: you not like the training montage? Did I miss that? There are parts where it was good, but it didn't blow me away like I was expecting to. I don't know. I feel like in the action movie, you're supposed to be like, oh, shit, the training montage. Let's fucking go. And this was, like, pretty good. But I wasn't blown away, right? Right. There are parts of it that definitely work. Like, I do appreciate the improvement shown, right? Yeah. He starts out not being able to shoot at the shooting range, and then at the end, he's putting everything in the center of the target, and he's practicing his little driving or whatever, and he's able to, like, stop right before the cones and stuff like that. I did appreciate that. I don't know. It wasn't, like, the best action training sequence of all time either. It's aight. Compare that to, like... I don't know. Morpheus is fighting Neo or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) A little unfair to compare that (laughs) to The Matrix.
0: I like just saw that (laughs) recently. I don't know why you did. (laughs) That's like (laughs) fresh (laughs) in your mind. Someone was talking about The Matrix one. I was like, you know what? I haven't seen this movie fifteen thousand times this year. Let me just watch it once. So like i think i know why jeff likes this movie so much just because
2: uh this is like full dad mode of a revenge story yeah, oh it's absolutely this guy learns how to fight through youtube videos do you know what I mean? Dude, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: it was like january 6th insurgents or whatever teaching knife <laughs> fighting on youtube and he was just watching them they have like the american flag patch like the black yeah, american yeah, flag yeah. patch on their sleeves and just watching these videos it's fucking hilarious It is very funny. It's divorced dad
0: excellence for sure. There's so
1: many funny things in this movie, like, formally that I love too. Like, the beginning of the training montage is his wife's tear rolling down her cheek, and it match cuts into a bullet falling down onto the floor. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's so fucking cool. It's so awesome. (laughs) Peak John Woo formalism right there, Mm -hmm. you know? Other things, you know, when he's getting really good at the shooting... Like, the cameras behind the target, pieces of the target are flying off and it reveals, like, his face and it's all dead center. Dude, so good. I love that shit. It's so good.
0: Yeah.
2: The one thing that I kind of wished the montage did was, like, because the idea is that he actually trains over a year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The incident that happens to his son is one Christmas and, like, he marks on the calendar for next Christmas to say, kill them all. (laughs) Which is great. Which is funny. So, like, he has this whole year where he's trying to, like, Get ready, right? To train, which I really like. I'm glad that they kind of set this timeline. And, I, you know, I can kind of believe that if someone dedicated 24 hours a day to becoming a badass, you know, over a year, they could do it. I kind of just wish the training montage went the next step, showed him, like, actually taking some classes or actually fighting someone versus fighting, like, a dummy. Mm. there was like these weird logical leaps that it was again i'm coming back to that phrase that
0: it was a little hard for me to kind of get over oh interesting i kind of liked that he was like doing weird january sixth internet stuff right? <laughs> i thought that was funny that his like all his sources were like the most bottom barrel shit like i thought that was kind of funny as a counterpoint to your thing
1: Derek, like you could tell that he was fighting against a dummy because he gets a shit wrecked yeah, by the, the first, first guy, guy yep. it's right yeah so, i love that too or it's just like drawn out, just this really knockdown drag out fight with this guy. He just fucks up fighting over and over again mm-hmm. in like his basement. And I was just gonna say, I think this movie has better time logic than something like Creed Three this year, where Jonathan Majors became heavyweight champion like overnight. Right? <laughs> yeah. We're here, you at least get a year of him training. And, you know, he writes on Christmas Eve the next year start gang war? Question mark. (laughs) That was so funny. It's so funny. Dude, this movie has its moments.
0: People are being really mean to this movie, I think. But I think it's very, very funny at points. The one thing I didn't think we talked about that I actually really liked was I think this movie starts off insane, right? Because you start off in the immediate aftermath of his son being shot.
1: Yeah. He's yeah, like yeah, yeah.
0: in a murderous rage and he's like chasing the gangsters. And it doesn't initially show you that context. You kind of like have to intuit that with like the yeah. little balloon or whatever. But it's a highly insane action scene. Like it's a really good start to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> the bad guys are like
1: in the car and he's like chasing them on foot in his ugly Christmas sweater. Yeah. And he's got
0: blood all over him. It goes hard. It's really good. And he, like, sneaks up with their car and uses, like, a pole, shatter their windshield. Yeah, it's
1: like a piece of rebar. He, like, hides behind the wall. Mm -hmm. And when the car drives around the corner, he, like, smashes in the windshield. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's running
0: down the alley from them trying to, like, machine gun him. It's wild. Yeah. It's actually a really super cool intro to the movie. I think this movie starts so hard. I think it does fall off a little bit when you're getting – seeing, like, all the rehab and the buildup and all that stuff. And I don't know if that's because of the no dialogue, like Derek says, or if it just doesn't 100% nail for me. But, like, that's probably the slowest part is getting to the inevitable training montage in turn. Yeah. Like, that's Mm -hmm. probably the weakest bit of the movie, right? Because It is a good, like, I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah, it takes a
2: while for his wife to leave and then for him to, like, commit to this, yeah –
0: yeah, I thought he was going to be like just vaporizing gangsters for like a full two hours, which I think I would have been more down with. But yeah, it takes a little while for them to build up and that bit's weak. But I just wanted to shout out how strong that beginning was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really good.
2: I mean, the CG in
0: this movie is a little
2: wonky, right? Like, Yeah. You know, that first bit when like the car runs into the fire hydrant, like that's not great. And the guy like going through the glass stair. I don't know why that had to be CG. Like you really couldn't do that practically and make that look cool. There was just weird moments in this where he chose to do CG that just didn't look polished enough. Yeah. You know, the
1: guy going through the stairs was weird because it looked hard as shit in the trailer,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but then in the movie, it kind of just. Landed like a fart for me. It looks like he beats him through the floor of the stairs, like with the butt of his gun. Mm -hmm. In the actual movie, he like falls down the stairs against the wall and then he falls through the stairs, which doesn't really make sense. Those are some weak-ass class stairs. (laughs) Yeah. They cut like a whole chunk of that sequence out of the trailer to make it a lot more badass than it actually is in the movie. And, you know, I understand why you like to use CG blood in movies now because, you know, budget... And, like, safety reasons. But I think a John Woo movie like this needs squibs. Mm. I think you really need the squibs. I think we just haven't gotten to the point where CG blood looks good. And I know it's because you can, like, erase it and, like, redo it if it doesn't look good. But, like, in the end it still doesn't look that great. And it looks really fake. Again, I understand why. They did it the way they did.
0: Yeah. I'm not a squib absolutist. It didn't bother me, I thought. John Wick isn't a squibs movie. Like, none of those are squib movies, right? And but like, John Wick I don't looks know.
1: better than this, at least. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm not a purist either,
0: but... I'm just saying I'm not, like, a purist on that. I think yeah. this is okay. I think once, as much as you're saying it's not the heights of one of his best flicks, I do think the action kind of rocks in this. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about some of the action here? Any, like really good kills in this one.
1: I think the highlight is still probably him kidnapping that first guy and the guy trying to escape, right? And he just fucks up over and over again i think that's probably the best fight in the movie i think the ending showdown has some high points too i like that
0: it's pretty good it reminds me a little like the raid or something right like you're going up this building Mm It's very video game level-ish right yeah like just one guy going up a building full of gangsters trying to eliminate them all it's not nearly as good as the raid right but like there's some cool little bits in there there's some pretty good kills in there that kind of rock but yeah Mm -hmm. the knockdown drag out fight in his garage or whatever where he's so unprepared that is really good and it does i don't know puncture like the myth of his invincibility right because he's been doing all this training and stuff you're like oh he's gonna be a badass and then he like immediately fucks up the first guy he tries to kill it's kind of cool yeah the killer redux (laughs) yeah
2: yeah absolutely what did you think derek The one thing I liked about the last action set piece was I liked the stair play. Him going up those stairs was pretty fun. I liked that he was smart enough to bring his own personal bomb, like a tripwire bomb. He like sets it up. Yeah, he
0: made it a fucking IED. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I do like some of the car stuff in this movie. Like I thought when he goes to that shootout where he tries to save the cop, doing circles and he's just shooting guys down even though he's going in circles i thought that was pretty cool and then like it leads into that car chase i thought all that wasn't bad so yeah like i said some of the action is actually pretty good in this
1: yeah i like how they just zero in on his revenge he gets a little moment of trying to save that cop Mm -hmm. and then she gets shot anyway right and he's like okay well i guess i'm going back to killing these guys (laughs) yeah (laughs) i tried there's a lot of criticism that this movie is just Kind of like a reactionary exploitation flick. But I don't know, man. John Woo hasn't even stepped foot in this country in like 20 years. And I guess you can kind of tell with this kind of movie. It is what it is, right? Okay, all the gang members are Hispanic. And, you know, I feel like this is just kind of a throwback to those 80s, 90s movies where that's just the way these movies were. I don't think that he's aware of this.
0: Right. It's not like an intentional statement on race relations in America or something. He just like did an action movie where the protagonist is one race and all the bad guys are another. And and that's (laughs) kind of it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely plays into, like, some weird January 6th – I don't mean about January 6th, but, like, some weird reactionary fantasies about, you know, MS-13 gangsters coming over the border and they're hiding in every town and it could be you and all this stuff. Like, I could definitely see why people would be mad at that, but I kind of yeah. don't give a fuck. I mean, it just didn't bug me. I feel like with this thing – it's like a gut check, right? Yeah. It can't just be like, oh, I noticed this thing that might be problematic, right? you got to actually feel it. you got to go, ugh, that, like, feels weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you really are feeling it, you'll, like, feel it in the gut and you'll be like, ugh, that's – weird, right? You'll
1: feel intentionality behind it, and I didn't hear. I got nothing weird off of this.
0: I don't know. I I guess I kind of wish we had, like, MS-13 on the pod to speak up and see if he thought it was racist. (laughs) (laughs) This one didn't bug me. There's, like, some analog name to, like,
1: GB-17 or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: This this stupid analog name. (laughs) This is, like, less weird than, like, I don't know, 300, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a way more reactionary, vibey action movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that definitely felt weird, like, in theaters. I was like, man, that was a fun action flick, but that felt racist. (laughs) (laughs) I, I definitely didn't feel that with this one, so I don't know.
2: No, I was gonna say, I don't think I, like you guys said, felt any kind of intentionality with the way he portrays the gang. What I do find a little weird is after reading the cast list, so I... Was like you guys, I was very much presuming that this was just a Hispanic gang that he combats. But then the actor who plays Ruiz is Yoko Hamamura, who is a Japanese MMA fighter, I believe. Oh, is it? Oh, that's fucking cool. (laughs) I did not know that. I guess in the movie, I do kind of recall thinking like, is that guy Hispanic? But then not really thinking too much of it. Now reading the cast list, I found that interesting, but also a little weird. But I don't think there's any kind of subtext to really, really read into this. I just found it interesting. I was
1: just going to say, like for the race stuff, he's a 77-year-old Chinese guy. If he makes something like this, you're like, oh, that tracks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it just doesn't seem intentional in any way that actually seems problematic.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple moments in this movie where now that you bring up he's a 77-year-old guy who may be a little bit out of touch. Yeah. There's the point where Joel Kinnaman sneaks into the detective's office and is taking pictures of a bunch of mudshots. And it's making really loud camera noises. I'm like, I don't think phones do that. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the logical leap also. Like, I keep using that term. How much money does this guy have, right? That he can, like, not work for a year train up and go to a shooting range probably every day to like practice shooting and doesn't go to work anymore his wife was supporting him but his wife left him i was kind of questioning i'm like where is this guy's money coming from because clearly he doesn't live in the most prosperous neighborhood yeah john woo maybe a
0: little bit out of touch Yeah, that didn't bug me, but the fact that you had time to sit and think about it bugging you means that it, like, wasn't working, right? Because, like, if it was, like, firing on all cylinders or whatever, you would have just completely ignored that, right? I kind of agree with you, Amir. Like, I think if we had a little bit less
2: time with the waiting for the wife to leave and it was just more of a revenge tour, I think maybe this movie would have worked a little bit better for me. Like you, I kind of was expecting that. I kind of thought this would just be a two-hour revenge fest. And then to Mm. find out the first third of it really isn't you know
1: i think the myth of john woo is just a little too big for a movie like this where he's trying something new so i don't know it feels like a step back for me you know what i mm-hmm. mean like the guy who does the guns akimbo flying doves in slow-mo you know people getting riddled by bullets just non-stop action i think this movie just was trying something different when maybe that's not what we wanted for like a december action movie called silent night i think we were expecting a little more traditional woo i don't know but we just didn't get that i think that's where the disappointment comes and i still admire what he's trying to do here even
0: though it doesn't fully work so you think it's a little too restrained not over the top enough not enough of his like dna in this one yeah yeah but uh you know there's some fun stuff he like Sets a whole bunch of guys on fire by blowing mm, up a motorcycle. Yeah. And then, like, Mario stomps a guy like a Koopa. <laughs> like, <laughs> jumps on his head and, like, makes him strike. I was like, what the fuck is that? That was weird. That was a cool <laughs> one. Has a guy flip over, like, a railing and shoots him as he's going down. They're, like, some fun little kills in those. So you're like, all right. Yeah. This is yeah, some yeah. fun stuff. You know, the ending fight with the, like, gangster's girlfriend mini-boss. Mm. <laughs> followed by, like, the actual main gangster is, like, a fun little brutal fight. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, like, a very weird video game logic where he, like, fights all the goons as they're streaming in, you know, before you, you get to the main boss. It's very, like... Yeah, it's just very video gamey logic. But it, it works. I don't know. Definitely not as bad as... I don't know. If, if people are hating on this, which I haven't really seen, but, like, if people really are hating on this, like, that's, like, undeserved. I enjoyed it. The one other person in my theater <laughs> whose opinion I asked also enjoyed it. So, you know, that's two for two, man. Nice. Yeah, I mean, he even goes with the... I mean...
1: Obviously, along with the gimmick, but like the silent acknowledgement of the cop and the vigilante, you know, they
0: yeah, yeah, block yeah.
1: eyes, pull guns on each other, and then they give each other a silent nod and go ahead and kill the main bad guy, right? They try to go and kill the big bad. <laughs> Very tropey, but that worked for me too. I think uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Kid Cuddy worked that moment pretty well. Pretty stock ending to this thing where he's mortally wounded taking out the final guy and I don't know, I kind of like the little alternate reality where Taylor gets to grow up and like, it's
0: like the light fixture. That's like his like dream as he's dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. as he's dying. Yeah, yeah, He like imagines a whole life where his son like graduates, is that high school or college? High school or something, yeah. His son's son's graduating high school or whatever, like he imagines this whole alternate reality now that he's gotten his vengeance. Yeah. Which is actually kind of sad because like, in reality, your son still is dead, yeah. right? Like, so it's like, it's kind of fucked. But yeah, yeah, I, I liked his little weird DMT hit as he's dying or whatever. What would you guys think of Joel Kinnaman in this? He's good. He's like doing as much as you can without talking, you know? Like he's yeah. he's good in this. I think he's very believable with like, you know, I mean, I guess he has religious face in his body to act with here. And I, I think he does a good job of portraying like schlubby obsessed asshole of divorced dad who becomes a vigilante. Like I bought it from him, you know? He's got yeah. the, I don't know, the build and the face and the demeanor to pull it off. I I thought it worked. I thought even like some of the stuff in the, even in like the training montage setup part was good, like where he runs into the gangsters at the, um, I don't know, like an ice cream shop or something. And he's like thinking about stabbing the guy in broad daylight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's like, <laughs> like surrounded by children. Was, I thought that was highly insane, and I thought that totally worked. I was like, dude, this is insane. He's just thinking about stabbing this guy in broad daylight. They like trip him and pour melted ice cream on him just to be assholes. Like, I thought that was really funny. Like this yeah. weird over-the-top thing. Like, I-, I thought that totally worked. Um, yeah, I like Kinnaman I like Kinnaman in this.
1: I have a soft spot for him, actually. Yeah. I think people. Tend to lump him in with Sam Worthington and Jai Courtney and all those people who are just completely forgettable. But he consistently takes like interesting roles, and I won't say he's like the best part of those things, but he does interesting things. He tried to do that RoboCop reboot, which wasn't that.
2: I was gonna say I liked him better in this (laughs) than in
0: RoboCop. So. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a big swing though. Try and remake a Verhoeven and stuff like take over Peter Weller. Yeah, yeah,
1: no. That was a swing and a miss, but he tried there. I thought altered carbon was interesting. You know, remember that Netflix show? That sci-fi Netflix yeah, show? Yeah, that was fun actually. It was fun. Fun little sci-fi. Fun. That was cool. Yeah. And it was like one of the leads in For All Mankind. It's like one of my favorite shows. It's really good. The alternate history space race show. He's playing like an 80-year-old now when he's got like a goofy beard and gray wig but
2: he's trying his best there too you know i like him as you know the rick flag character in like the dc (laughs) yeah the suicide squad yeah oh that's
0: right yeah yeah forgot about that yeah
2: i like joel kinnaman so especially for someone who has to do a lot of just like emoting and acting with his face and with his actions so i thought generally he was pretty good in this i was gonna say is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up i learned something interesting about joel kinnaman today oh (laughs) he once came in for
1: a 17-page monologue in a Terrence Malick flick, and he did it, and they cut him out of the movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) He did the whole thing, and they cut him out. (laughs) See, that would cause me to
0: go on a revenge rampage.
2: (laughs) As long as he got his money, right?
0: I guess he's earned Silent Night, right? He's making up for all that dialogue. All right, well, I
2: think... That will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work?
1: You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys?
0: You can find me trading for revenge by watching YouTube videos of the no step on snake guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what about you, Derek? You can find me at the world's okayest photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other popular apps. If you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments,
1: suggestions on John Woo's Silent Night, feel free to shoot us an email. We like getting listener mail, and sometimes we read it out on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week.
0: See you next week, everybody.
1: See you guys then.